finish the story of Gidon, we're beginning Perek Tess. We saw that Gidon had had 70 sons and from his wives. And besides that, he had one son called Avimera from Kidegesh, who was in Shem. So the, we're now going to see the tragedy of what happened to Gidon's family. And in Pasagalat it says, Vayelech Avimelech ben Yerotal Shema, Elachai Avimelech, the son from the Pilegesh, goes to Shem to his mother's brothers. Like we saw, his mother lived in Shem, as opposed to the rest of Gidon's family, which lived in Afra. So Avimelech goes to his mother's family. And he speaks to the extended family of his mother in Shem. And he says to them, Now explain to my behalf to all the people of Shem. And what would the message to the people of Shem be? Would you prefer, would it be better for you that the, all the 70 sons of Gidda will all rule over you? Or would you rather have one person who's going to be a ruler of you? And And if you're already thinking who the one person should be, so remember, your family. That his mother's family is from Shem. So remember, I'm your relative as opposed to the other sons of Gidon. Now, already at this stage, we see the first uh, signs of the wrath of the evil of Salimela. And that is, we saw clearly that in his lifetime, Gideon turned down the option or the when it was offered to him to rule over Kaisra. He didn't want to rule over it. So we saw he left and uh, lived his life in his town of Afra as a commoner. He wasn't doing anything in any way to enforce himself or his rulership above the Jewish people. And if that's the case, there would be no reason to assume that after Gideon dies, his own children, his own children are going to take a leadership position. No one had asked him to do that. It wasn't that they were inheriting a position which they, that the father had had. So there was no reason why anybody would rule over them. And therefore the first uh, thing we see in, in Avimelech's, uh, what, he's, what he's going to do, is false incitements. And that is like, you know, all the sons of Gideon are going to try to rule over you, and there's going to be uh, a conflict of loyalties to 70 different people. Whereas if you only have one person ruling over you, so then you'll be able to take control and and uh, run, a, run a country or run a city as it's meant to be. Like I said, this was, uh, as always, a misrepresentation. A misrepresentation of the facts, and as we've always seen, not just in the Nakh, until recent history, any major crime is always preceded by a false advertising campaign. It's in order to mislead people for whatever the Russia is wants to do, so firstly, he misrepresents the facts. Uh, and then once now he's made some kind of false, so to speak, rationale for what he wants to do, so now that enables him to do whatever the crime is going to be. So that's the first point. There was no having that Gideon's sons were trying to rule over them. But Abimelech makes it seem like since they're going to try and take power, so it's better that they should help one person. That is about Serapinus. Okay, so his family helped him out. And then the Pasuk Gimel, Vayedabra Achei Imoy Alav, Oaz Nechol Barishan. So they spoke on his behalf to all the people in Shem, Eska Advera Meheda, and therefore Vayet Libam Achei Abimelech Ki Amra Achinu. 
now that they thought that there's going to be a question who of Yudhan's sons is going to take power, so they thought, well, Abimelech's a better bet because he's our brother, he's one of us. He was also, at least on his mother's side, connected to the families of Shem. So what did they do? They gave him money, 70, 70 silver pieces, from the basil of Avodazar. The Baal was the Avodazar that was worshipped then, and they took funds which had been collected for the Avodazar, and they gave it to they gave it to Avimelech. This is another thing which is, we also see, by not just by Gilem, but other times, by Oved Avodazar as well, we spoke about this before, and that is, at the end of the day, Avodazar, to some extent, is self-serving. It's self-serving. It's not real respect for the deity or for the idol that they're worshipping. It's because they, wa- they wanted to get something from it. And therefore, if it serves their means better to take money which was consecrated for the Vodazara and use it to support their candidate, so to speak, who was going to take rulership, they had no problem doing that. They, they could have said that this is what the Vodazara wants. They didn't go that far. They didn't blame the Vodazara for it, but they took the funds which were meant for the and they spent them on trying to advance Abimelech's case. Why did the Baal have Kesef? He used the Baal's of a desire. He would donate money for it. Donate money to the... Uh, yeah, you know, to buy for bonus for it, or maybe like some kind of base of a desire, or I don't know what, what the, the temple was, sorry. Yeah, every desire had a different way. What was the drive? What was the avoid, though? What was the avoid of, of the Baal? So we, we're going to see this more in the continuation. Because this was the primary uh, contender for Klaishal's loyalty throughout the period of the Shaftim and after the period of the Melachim. The all of it is understood and the Baal. The Baal was a, a, a more of a central, so to speak, of a desire, which from the time of the Shaftim until came at the end of the dispersion of the Ten Shvatim, it's always the Baal. So what was the spa and what was the attraction in it? Well, we'll have to explain. There was a, what the avoider was exactly. But we see at every stage is something which which Christ shall call for. But he wants to know now, in the context of money. In other words, what, what, what would the money be? So we saw, we saw in the previous period with Gidda. They used to find Corbanus. Fat in the cow. This is, by the way, part of the problem. We saw after Gidda and Dan, Christ went back to serving a Vedazar. So they had raised the fund to reinstate the bell, and they had given the money for it to Avimelech. And what did Avimelech do with the money? By Yisqar, Abraham Avimelech, Hanashim, Reikim, Upoichazim, Vayelcha Achanach. He made himself an army of troublemakers, empty, basically violent people, who he could uh, marshal to do what he wanted to. And then again, uh, this is not something which is the only time in, in history we find such a thing. Somebody who wants to take power by force is going to make himself a ragtag group of followers who have no compunctions about doing crime. And they're going militia. to. Right, his private militia, or in the case of uh, Muhammad, he had his wild tribesmen who helped him do exactly the same thing. Unless you break him with Pechazin, who wanted to go and commit any crime he told him to. Something in Germany, there were the brown shirts, the black shirts, and all the various. Unless you break him with Pechazin, who were just violent people who were, could be marshaled to enforce whatever the dictator wanted. So Vimech does the same thing. Vimech does the same thing. You see contrast, again that the funding, you have to cut off the funding. Right. It's the funding. Of course, the Zandashim Reichim will pay for the Vimech not because 
uh, they held of his ideology, whether it was such real from the name of his, but because he was paying for them. And therefore that was uh, he, he, he paid for the services. Um, just as, an, as a contrast, it talks later on in Shmuel when David runs away from King Shaul. And then it also, also says that if I look at a survey that people gathered around the 400 people, then it calls them Menashe Mori Nefesh. They weren't violent people. David's uh, band of followers weren't like a group of criminals who had been paid to commit crimes. On the contrary, they were all people who, for every reason, were running away from Shaul, and therefore they joined David as a defensive strategy. They weren't. Uh, we don't find that uh, David used them to attack anybody. On the contrary, they stayed with David to protect themselves. So it's a pirate. So, and now, he comes to his father's house, Gideon's house in Afra. So remember, Gideon didn't live in Shem. He killed all his 70 brothers in one stone. We'll see the significance of that in a moment. The youngest uh, one hit, and that's why he was he he didn't get killed with all the others. So even though there only were 70 sons, and if Yosem didn't get killed, it means they killed 69, not 70. But nevertheless, the last of the pasuk is. He killed Shivimish and Evan Yachot. The post came to say one of two stories. Either that that's what they wanted to do. He intended to kill all 70. The fact that the last one, he didn't get, managed to get hold of him. So it wasn't because he wanted to spare any of his brothers. And uh, that's the first point. The, also, even though normally we don't find that the din of Machshava Ra, if Hashem is to a Maiseh, if a person has intention to do a Vera, Hashem doesn't normally consider it as if a person didn't have Vera. But the poets can say that's only if the person doesn't do that error. If a person, let's say, had intention, like here, to kill 70 people, and he managed to kill 69, and he intended to kill the last one, Hashem will not have a pretty nice. And the reason why it's like that is because the person explained the condition of the Gemara that the reason why normally Hashem doesn't retire for bad intention to a Maisa is because there's a certain sorrow that when it actually comes you know, to ground zero, when it actually comes to committing the crime, the first one of Harata. So maybe he planned it and he thought about it and he intended to do it. When it actually comes to executing the plan, he's going to he's gonna fall feet or he's going to get karata. And therefore, even though a person wanted the avera, Hashem is not a to But if a person's done the avera, not once, but many times, so that's the case, there's no reason to assume that if given the opportunity again, he wants to do avera another time. And if that's the case, Hashem will punish him for the mashat. Because we don't now assume that he's, something's going to hold him back from doing it Lamaisa. And therefore over here where we may have killed sixty nine of his brothers and he wanted to kill the last one, he just couldn't find him because he was hiding. So the Torah considers him guilty of killing one of them. It wasn't they wouldn't he wouldn't have spared had he been able to kill it. Now, the on a rock. On a rock. What do you mean beheaded? Yes. Now the, the, this uh, no, what's this idea of Al Evanachas? We find it in other places in Tanakh also. A hundred people that killed Al Evanachas. Uh, for example, by the time of the Khurban. So it talks about uh, the, the general of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, when he came to the Basin Mikdash, he found the blood of Zachary, which was boiling. So it talks about him gathering together all the kainim and all the children and all the Tarechachamim, and killed them on every nachas. What's the significance of killing people on one stone? So the aside is that it means you're killing people who aren't fighting. 
Ifra would be in a combat, and then you, so to speak, attacking and defending themselves, and people get shot or killed, whatever it's going to be in combat. So Ifra will be in a different place. Whereas if you've got captives and they're killing them and they, aren't, they can't resist, it's like you land them up and you kill them all one after the next. They weren't resisting you. They weren't in a position to. And then that's why the Navi uses the term, it's a term of cruelty. It wasn't that the 70 sons of Gideon were fighting with him and he killed them in battle. Then they wouldn't have been in one place. The idea of Enachas was he captured them and then he decided to execute them. There was no reason. They weren't, they weren't opposing him at that stage. So that's uh, that, that's uh, the next point. And he, then was, he killed them because he perceived them as a threat. He was killed them because he made them into the threat. That since he wanted to take leadership, or take rulership, and he felt that the brothers, his brothers, uh, would oppose that because they were real sons of Gideon. He was only the son of a Pilegish. Yeah. So as we find again in, in non-Jewish history. Is replete of cases of people who served power and killed their whole family because they were scared of uh, competition or were scared of dissidents. So the Torah said the same thing, and if we killed all his brothers. Now, this is firstly, obviously, Avimelech's crime. He was the one who. Was he himself killed, or other people, the places of people? I don't know if he personally killed them or his group of. Raffians who were with him killed him, but the Lamaizik was under his instruction. So he's responsible for Maybe Divre Rav works when the same thing you said before. And that is that a person is meant to listen to Divre Rav. Once you see that they don't listen to Divre Rav, and that they are listening to the time, so of course the person is going to be responsible. It's because of him. It's more than just a shliach, because he also he was paying him to do it. Now, so Abimeyer is held responsible for this. But the people of Shechem are also held responsible. Even though they weren't killed, they weren't involved in the, in the killing of Gideon's children, but the Maesir, because they funded Abimelech, so they're responsible for what he did with the land. And therefore, we're going to see both Abimelech and the people of Shechem are going to get punished in the end for their involvement in the killing of the sons of Gideon. Okay, but uh, in the meantime, once Abimelech killed his brothers, the people of Shechem feel no compunction for what he did, and therefore the Apostle says in Pasukvav, Bayeosfu Kobani Shem Khobesmilay. Besmilay was a, like a small town next to Shem. So all the people of Shem in the surrounding town called Besmilay, they all gathered together, Bayelchu, they Yamlichas of Yemelech the Melech. They crowned the Melech as their king, Imailad Mutavashabishha. Now so we find that Yemelech was given the title of being a king, at least over the people of Shem. The Mephoshim asked a question over here. The Mephoshim asked a question that we don't find, even when you find, let's say, a record of Jewish kings, so normally we start with King Shaul. Sometimes they call, talk about Moshe Rebbe, that Moshe was a Hebrew Melech, the status of the king. We don't find anywhere in the list of Jewish kings that Melech is called the king. Even though we see that he was crowned by the people of Shem as a king, so why wasn't he also considered to be a king? So the answer is question. Number one, Rabbi Nachman pointed out, it's quite true, and that is that uh, it's not a, it wasn't a king of Kaisra. This was a one city which appointed him as their ruler. It doesn't give him the status of a king of Kaisra as other people. But there's a second issue here also, and that is, and this is an important point, a king which isn't our Hashem is not recognized as a king. He's an upstart. The kings of Kaisra were kings which Hashem wanted to be kings. Sometimes they were Rishayim, sometimes they were Tzedekim. 
But there's a certain kid has come from Kodesh Baruch that he should rule. Even the ones of the ten Shvatim. Even the ten, most of the ten Shvatim were they all ended up being Rishayim, but the, the one was sent to kill the other one. So, for example, Yehu was sent to kill the family of Achav. At the end of the day, Yehu also didn't fare much better. But Lemaisa, they were sent by a Novi to take over. And so many times before that, there was, it was, uh, again, it doesn't mean there was a ridiculous necessity, but it means that there was sanctions of the kingdom. Whereas over here, it definitely wasn't. And therefore, it wasn't considered a Malthus, which is a, which is named, or considered to be one, one of the Jewish kings. This is also the first time that we find that Klai shall accept the king. Like we saw, until now in the Shaftim, the Shepherd was more of a spiritual leader. Whether it was Gedan, who didn't want any leadership, or Dvar, who was Nevir, or even before it was Neil Ben Knaz, who was a Godel Batera, we don't find the Shaftim were either political or military rulers. The first time we find that Zeb Avimelech, he wanted to uh, have authority in the sense of the king, and that's why he engineered this whole this whole scheme and this whole crime in order to make himself appointed as a king. They had offered it to Gidon. They offered it to Gidon. Take it up. Just saying they were prepared in Gidon. Right. So that's uh, that's that's the 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 crime of Avimelech, and what happened to Kimat, the entire family of Gidon, were all killed except for his youngest son. Uh, who's Yesen. Now, just to be on the topic, really, just one more point that the Mephashim talk about. There's a Gemara which says that Shechem was a place which was more the promise. Shechem was, Shechem was a place which uh, a lot of bad things happened in Shechem. Yosef was sold in Shechem, and uh, Dina got violated in Shechem, and the Malchus, they started uh, the ten tribes split from him in Shechem. And then that uh, Shechem is like a Makam, the Gemara says, the Makam Mayur the Puranis. It's a bad place. So the question was the question, why isn't this story brought in the list of things which were, which happened in Shechem? One of the tsaras of Shechem was the, the, the fact that this, so to speak, self-imposed rulership of Avimeh. So the simple answer, firstly, is the crime didn't happen in Shechem. The crime happened in Ophir. The people of Shechem paid Avimeh. Avimeh went to his hometown of Ophir, and that's where he killed his brothers. It wasn't in Shechem. So even if the people of Shechem were responsible for supporting him, the master it wasn't the place where it took place. When Chazal was talking about things which happened in Shechem, what they meant was that's a place which was which where things go wrong. It's not the people necessarily. And therefore, since the the, the crime itself didn't take place in Shechem, so we can't add that to the list of the Puranias of the punishments which happened in Shechem. However, the Gemara does say that it's the Gemara Marcus, and the Gemara is talking about the Arimeklet. And the Gemara says that that one has to divide the three Arya Miklat, which are in Eretz Yisrael, after, even after the third of Eretz Yisrael. So from the southern border of Eretz Yisrael to the first Eretz which was Hebron, is a third of the distance of Eretz Yisrael. From Hebron to Shechem, which is the second Eretz Yisrael, is the third of the distance of Eretz Yisrael. From Shechem to Kaddish, which is north of Eretz Yisrael, is a quarter. So it's a quarter from the, the, the southern border to Hebron, from Hebron to Shem, from Shem to Kaddish, from Kaddish to the north border of Eretz Yisrael. So each one, they're equidistant from each other. And the Gemara asks, if that's the case, it means that people in the center are nearer to the Eremita than people on the periphery. Because over here, if you've divided it, that the people between Hebron and Shem, for example, so they'll be, only be half the distance of 
the space between them because one emet will be nearer than the other one. Whereas people on the border of Eretz Yisrael will have to travel the whole quarter of Eretz Yisrael to get the nearest emet. And the Gemara's answer to that is that just like it says that Gilad Shchichi Reitzchem, Tzedchem in Shchem, Shchichi Reitzchem. That there was more murderers in Shchem. So this is a different point. This isn't just a place of Shchem. It's a place which is murder for honest. But here the Gemara is saying that the people of Shchem were more likely to be involved in murder. And that we find Rabbi Melech. Yeah, in this version here. So that is that the people of Shchem were guilty uh, for their involvement in, uh, in, the, in the killing of all of Gideon's hands. It's interesting that he spoke of called by Sharira, you know, it's the same lesson that you find by... Right. By, uh, you find that it's also called by Sharira. It's also talking about all the people of Shem, and they also... Yeah, they also wrote the same. They say that, that, uh, that we find all the Gideon of Eretz Chamur by Shem. We find the uh, rise in the time of Amar and Shem, that uh, we find our desire. By Yaakov. Well, firstly, there by Yaakov, it says, take all the, and the hair Nechor, which they took from Shem, which here also. They had the, the, the Baal was in Shem, and uh, they had the, for the Tifa, which uh, is a place where there was more rampant culture. Why is it like that? What makes a place of mockery in the forest? What makes it a place where here are so many different punishments take place? And what's the, what do what you say of um, what gave its negative spiritual energy from the boy of that to the place? So, I mean, the, the one point is the Chirisiasif. Machir says, what's happening in Shem? He went to Shem to find his brothers. They sent him to Dosan. Now, according to one of them, Dosan is a place. And according to Rashi, Dosan is that they, they, they're trying to find a way to kill you. But either way, whichever way it was, the beginning of the period in, within Israel that the brothers wanted to slay Yosef, that happened in Shem. So that made Shem a mockum of period. Which means that's also the place where there's a split in the mouth of Israel, and also becomes a place of uh, fights between people, which is what leads to it's That's uh, so you know, that is already going way back in the what, what was it, the, his, the first historic, so to speak, in the Kura, which happened in the place, which defines what it later became. So that's the that's the story of Melech, and like I said, the the other the other sign against the people of Shem. It isn't just that they paid him money up front, which he misused and uh, paid for mercenaries. The other point was, even after the crime, they were still willing to be mamlichim. And that's another time. They condoned it. Right. After that, they should have said, look, I'm asking everybody, we don't want to touch you. But they didn't. Even after they knew what he did to his whole family, they were still willing to, they were still willing to accept him as a king. And that also obligated them. And we'll see an interesting thing. The Ramban asks the question in the Torah. The Ramban asks when Levi, Shimon and Levi went to kill the people of Shechem, were they right or were they wrong? What right did they have to kill the people of Shechem? So he said, maybe Hamar himself or Shechem, that they had been involved in a Maisavera, so then you can kill them. But what right did they have to uh, kill everybody else? Which Yaakov wasn't happy about, but even then, it's much more so, Yaakov wasn't happy because it was going to endanger him, not because 
halachically it was the wrong thing to do. So the Ramban asks, what do the people of Shem do wrong? And the Ramban says, and it's a very chilling comparison to the Apostle, the Ramban says, they condoned the crime. They knew what happened, and they didn't do anything about it. They wanted to accept uh, Shem and Hamar even after they knew what they had done wrong. And if that's the case, because they were willing to have a leader who they knew had done things wrong, and they were, they were willing to accept that and justify it, so they're also responsible. Ramban puts in the category of one of the Shem Mitzvah and that is to make the system of justice. And uh, even though it's asking a lot from the people of Shem because this was their ruler, it wasn't just the common that did something wrong, but nevertheless, the fact that they were didn't judge him for what he did wrong, they accepted it, means they were also guilty in some way to the crown for accepting it. And if that's the case, then it's a tremendous comparison to over here. If the people of Shechem, knowing what Abimelech did, were still willing to accept him as a king, so then they're converting the crown. They're willing to overlook the, the evil that he did and accept him as their leader, so that, that, in, that, up, that, that makes them liable to. And therefore, when you see when the punishment's going to come, not only is it going to affect the it's going to affect Shechem also. There's no defense for them, they say, 